Hello and welcome to Check It Out at EDPL. A podcast from the local library. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm your host, Ellen. Today we are joined by Audra. Hello. Audra, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I work at Central in the EVPL Reed Center. I've been there for about three years now. So I do a lot of our children's programming and reader's advisory, um, and I genuinely love it. So the three of us are here today to wrap up the end of the year. Yes. So, yes, we know that time is just a con- construct and... Um, you know, man-made, and so we are closing out 2021 by discussing our favorite things that have happened. Yeah, it's definitely been a weird year, especially for us at the library. We started out closed and opened again a little bit part-time, and now we're back to our full hours, so we've all been through quite a lot this year, and I've definitely had time to binge some extra TV shows, so. Yeah. So what all have you watched? So things that came out just this year, um, I watched the Made mini series. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I think it's only like eight to ten episodes. I don't think I've even heard of this one. Uh, I barely heard of it. It's a Netflix. It's uh, with Margaret Qualley. And it basically is um, a story of domestic abuse and how the woman has to get away with her child and what that does to her. She has no financial stability on her own and is trying to just completely start her life over. So it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it, it tugs at your heartstrings quite a bit, but it was really portrayed realistically how that cycle of poverty can kind of continue no matter how hard you're trying. So I think that they did the story justice and people that do experience that and kind of shed some light on it. That's good. I think it's important that, you know, TV shows, especially on a platform as popular as Netflix, like uh, tackles these type of subjects and they're able to, you know, expose more people to these type of, uh, you know, life based stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like that it was a mini series and they ended it instead of, you know, continuing and kind of turning it into more pop culture after she finally was able to kind of get some of her life together. So that's good. Also this year, I discovered Lock and Key. They put out the second season this year. Mm-hmm. The first, I believe, was last year or the year before. Um, and I think it's a Netflix as well. They're actually based off comic books by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. It's a story about a family who lives in a manor known as Key House. And it's got some supernatural elements to it, some magical keys that they've all found. And it's really, really good, um, and it's really up pace if you are into kind of the supernatural shows, and it's only a little bit scary, which I can't handle too much horror, so I appreciate that. Okay, I was going to say, I've considered watching that a few times, but it does look really creepy, which isn't my jam. Mm -hmm. So you're saying, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. It's kid-level creepy. Mm. If you were a little bit younger, it might be scary. Um but for for me, I can watch it with the lights on. Have you uh, either of you ever read the graphic novels? I've not. I know someone who worked at McCullough did, and he was really excited about the series. I only read the first volume, and that was like shortly after you know it was kind of revealed that Joe Hill, if you don't know this, uh, is actually Stephen King's son, 
And oh, okay. oh, really? You guys didn't know? I did not know. Uh, yeah, he's Stephen King's son, and he, but you know, he went with the pseudonym Joe Hill because he didn't want you know to kind of write the coattails of his dad's name, and he got away with it until like a picture of him was released. And it's basically like Stephen King from the 1970s, if you've ever seen his pictures. So they're like, yeah, you're a common copy physically of him. Yeah, you're his son. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, I enjoyed the first series. Uh, see, uh, what? Graphic novel volume, because that's graphic novels don't have seasons or series. Um, I enjoyed it. I just never had, didn't feel like picking up the rest. So I'm glad to hear the show is good. Yeah, we do have them. And now that you explain that, um, that ties up a lot for me because it does kind of have uh, a little bit of a King vibe to it, but again, a PG version. So, yeah, yeah I've definitely heard about him being Stephen King's son, but I did not connect him to that series for some reason. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and my last thing that I wanted to plug is that this is the year that they brought back Dexter. And I have never been happier. Have you all watched Dexter at all? I'm waiting until the full uh, season has been released. Okay. I have never seen any Dexter at all. Oh, my goodness. Well, if you are a true crime, blood and gore (laughs) serial killer fan. Which I am not. (laughs) Choose this one and go back and rewatch all of the original Dexter with uh, Michael Hall. The reboot right now is Dexter New Blood, and it is a little bit less gory so far. It includes um, his son, so it's got a little bit more of a family element right now. But uh, we'll see where it goes, because I'm not sure that's how it'll end. So, I was a huge fan of the original series. I watched it as it aired. Mm-hmm. And when that series finale dropped, I lost all you know, hope and the creative arts and oh absolutely yeah so (laughs) it's been i knew i figured that's because reboots and um continuing like older series has become a really big thing as of lately so i kind of figured since they have such a negative fan reaction to that series finale they bring it back eventually i just i just i'm just not ready for it yeah top 10 worst finales of all time um I think Lost is the only one that was worse for me. But they ended the original, I believe, because um, Michael Hall had cancer. And so it was kind of they needed a swift. I thought he had cancer earlier. And then it was it was in remission by the time. Mm-hmm. Well, there was there was this weird thing about how um, Showtime was like, uh, OK, you can end the show, but we want to keep doors open for a spinoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, including that <laughs> features Dexter, the main star. So they were like, "Yeah, you you can't do anything final with Dexter himself." Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, some of the more recent reboots, the kind of '90s um, Saved by the Bell, Full House stuff, I do find a little bit offensive to the soul, um, <laughs> especially that they are about to redo Fresh Prince. And I am very scared for that. <laughs> well, and it's supposed to be more of a drama, too. Yeah. yeah. Here's You want to feel bad about your age and how time is always marching on and there's nothing we can do about it. So they are, Netflix is currently producing that 90s show. 
which will have the same cast from that uh, 70s show. Yes, I have heard about <laughs> this. Yeah. Because yeah. basically, like, you know, the same amount of time in that show universe would put them at in the 90s right now. Yeah, my parents would sit and watch the 70s show and feel nostalgic. So I guess now it is our generation's turn. Yeah. Yeah. About TV for you guys. I am behind the curve and I've been watching the original Cowboy Bebop. I never saw the anime until now. But it's watching that is just making me really excited to see the live action version. And I'm already sad that they do not have a season two. (laughs) Yeah, after three weeks, which... No one knows why the Netflix doesn't reveal like their metrics or like why, how they make decisions, but the original anime series, so phenomenal, so amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I wish I could erase like that part of my brain and rewatch it again from with a blank slate. So mm-hmm. I'm very jealous of you right now. Anything else? Michaels versus the machines came out this year. I definitely thought that came out last year. Have either of you seen that one? Oh, I did. Okay. No. Oh, it's so good. It's a very much family sending their kid off to college. Like that whole dynamic with the younger sibling and the older sibling and the parents kind of like fighting everyone. And it's, uh, they have to all come together to stop the robot apocalypse. Oh, I see. Okay. It's, it's really good. It's, uh, produced by the same people who did the, uh, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. movie and it's very similar animation style. Yeah, it definitely has that comic book vibe to it. Nice. I've put a hold on a lot of my Marvel watching right now. I'm determined to start at the beginning, which I know is a, oh my. a very oh, wow. big feat and that many people have um, tried to persuade me against, but I am completely lost when I watch the new things now. I just need... To go back, and I think it'll take me about all of 2020, so wish me luck. All of 2020? Yeah. To watch the movies and the shows, yeah, it's going to take. It's going to take you all, all, of, all of the last year, yeah. <laughs> all, yeah, all of last year, yeah. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I'm not starting from the beginning, but I did pick up uh, copies of Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home because the new one comes out this week. Mm-hmm. So I got to get prepped. Yeah, Logan, uh, my husband, is very excited about that, and he uh, keeps pushing me to find all of the original Spider-Man movies, so we have to watch all of them. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, even the Tobey Maguire ones. He said maybe we can pass on Tom Holland since they are so recent. We both remember them very well. I would like to talk to someone after they've marathoned all of those Spider-Man movies in one sitting, because the the dramatic swing in tones, swing, haha, Spider-Man. Um, I would like to really just see how it is like back to back for someone. Uh, my favorite is still Into the Spider Verse, though. I don't think anything will ever change that. Yeah, it's definitely my top Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And then like right underneath it. Uh, probably Spider-Man 2. Anyways, good, good, good fun derailing of the TV show talk (laughs) there. Um, any other TV you're checking out? Shadow and Bone. Oh, okay. Wonderful series. Yes. Everything that author writes is really good. And like having Leah Bardugo so involved with like the creating of the show, I think that really helped. Mm Mm-hmm. And are you both, have you both read the series? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've read a lot of the things that, that she's done. She's a 
fabulous YA author. Mm -hmm. Have you read her adult fiction book? I have not. Okay, it's called Ninth House. It's pretty dark. Wait, yes, I have. That is the only one I did not like, actually. Really? Yeah, I listened to it um, as an audiobook, so maybe that had something to do with it, that I didn't connect with it as much, Mm -hmm. but... Was it a standalone or are there going to be more? There's going to be more, but it's very much at some point there will be more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've liked her other um, young adult series a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. So what is Shadow and Bone about? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. yeah. If you can like summarize and like, yeah. ooh, look in the clock 10 seconds. Um, it's set in a fantasy world. There is lots of magic and whatnot, but it's a very like unique kind of magic. You typically can only do one or the other. And there's like healers and fabricators. And then the main character is a sun summoner. And everyone freaks out because like, oh, there's never been a sun summoner before. And so she works with what's the, the darkness summoner guy, shadow summoner. His name, none of us can remember. (laughs) Um, And they're trying to undo this, like, horrible curse that was placed on their country. And it's really cool. And there's lots of twists and turns. She's very good at world building um, Mm -hmm. and explaining kind of the rules of the magic within her series. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I saw it advertised, uh, and I, I'm, I'm always a sucker for, like, a really high-end epic fantasy mm-hmm. series, so I, I still might give that a shot. Yeah, I definitely got more into uh, the companion books for that series, which was Six of Crows, and it's set, like, a little bit after all the events in the main trilogy have been resolved, and it's about, like, six different characters. And they each get their own storyline, and it's very well done to show, like, how they kind of twist up together. Mm-hmm. And with the show, it's really combining both of these worlds, uh, so the events are all kind of happening at the same time. Okay. But it's done really well, and it feels really true to, like, the original material. All right, Aaron, what have you watched that was good this year? I guess I'm up. So I, I've got a few things down on my notes. Uh First, I am still in the process of watching it, but I about two thirds of the way through the first season of Arcane uh, League of Legends. Um, and I was familiar, not familiar, but I knew League of Legends was a game. And that was pretty much my not the only bit of knowledge I had about that series. So they adapted it into a anime series on Netflix this year. Uh, and it is amazing uh it's great world building really fantastic characters top-notch voice acting um beautiful animation it's definitely they did not take shortcuts with this there's probably a big price tag on this series and i think it really pays off and kind of saying in the anime realm i also watch the masters of the universe revelations which was the masters of the universe continuation show from Kevin Smith. Yeah, that Kevin Smith. And it's uh you know, don't don't believe <laughs> don't believe the people like giving it bad reviews on Round Tomatoes cuz there was a lot of pushback because he basically made all the characters like fully realized nuanced characters and and people have 
too fond memories of the cartoon that was only there to sell action figures. Mm -hmm. And he actually fleshed everyone out. And uh, both parts are amazing. And I really loved the overall arc. Um, Oh, wow. I really did watch a lot of animated shows. Uh, My other one is I watched the first season of Demon Slayer. Okay. Which I know we don't have the first season yet at the library, but we do have the full manga series. Uh, And then finally, I started watching The Sopranos. And uh, we were talking about this briefly before we started recording. It's it's a tough show to binge because uh, there's not a lot of redeemable characters. And um, it's one of those shows that if you want to check it out, especially checking out here at the library, you might want to pace yourself because it's not made for a bingeable model. So I know I already mentioned that I don't do creepy stuff, but I did watch all of Hannibal. Is Sopranos kind of like that? Wherein, for me at least, every episode of Hannibal, I would have to stop midway through and do something else for 20 minutes before I could go back to it. Is it like Kind of, but different flavors. Um, So like with Hannibal, it's more like, you're like, oh man, I can't believe they show that on TV. Or like, man, the depravity that this show will show people like lowering themselves to. And then with The Sopranos, it's more about these it it gives you moments of lightness with these characters who are most of them are like emotionless stone cold killers Mm. and it's just kind of like it's sometimes you're like oh hey here's here's you know um chris like going through this like he's trying to become a script writer and he's going through this uh the script writing class and then it's like oh look at him like trying for his dreams and then like the next scene is like him coldly killing someone Mm. like in the most brutal way and it's just kind of like that's the thing that the sopranos it does well it's like it kind of uh lures you into a uh false sense of like sympathizing with these characters and you're like oh yeah these are bad guys yeah it it really weighs you down because you are at some points rooting for them to succeed and then of course they continue to um, perform hits. Yeah, and especially uh, the main character, Tony, which James Gandolfini's uh, performance. I mean, th- there's a reason why it's always been heralded as like one of the greatest TV, TV performances of all time. Um, and then you look up background uh, information about his performance, about how it really took a toll on his like personal life. Mm. And you see that because like Tony's not a good dude at all, and he's very messed up. And you you want him to be like a good family man and be good to his kids, and uh, he constantly is pushing against that. This is really just showing how little TV that I watch. Um, but that's it for me. What about books? I have not had a ton of time for books this year. I've read some, but I've read a lot of comics. What were some of your favorites this year? Um, Something is Killing the Children, which again... I say I don't like creepy things, and then I read creepy things. I was going to say, I haven't read that yet, but I've heard people like, hey, you know, just kind of uh, be in a good place before you read this series. There's something about it that's very enticing, though, because it is overall, like, good guys win. Like, the people kill monsters. The whole premise of the series is that children imagine monsters, and then they become real. And so they... You know, then there's a a special family that goes around killing the monsters and, like, saving the towns and whatnot. But it is very, like, dark overall. Yeah, I can't can't do dark in my graphic novels. 
Well, it, on the uh, opposite side of that, I did start reading, oh, I can't remember the writer's name, but the probably the most relevant, like, uh, Hawkeye run, the one that the current TV show is based oh, off uh, of. Fraction and Fraction. Asia yeah. are the team that did those. Because, yeah, that is my favorite Hawkeye run. Yeah, it's it's really good. It really shows, like, um, you know, it, I think the TV show is doing a good job of taking the best parts of that run. I also read Squad by Maggie Tadoka Hall, and Lisa Stirl was the illustrator, which is about a group of high school girls who become werewolves. Oh, yeah, that just came out, right? Yeah, I think I talked about it in one of our Halloween or October episodes, but that one's really good. And then I've also read a lot of Webtoons, which that's where the lighter stuff that I read comes in. Uh, Some of my favorite Webtoons have been Lore Olympus, which actually the first season of that is out in the library. It has some copies of it. Oh, okay. Uh, Rachel Smith, I believe, is the author. It might be Smythe. But it is about the uh, Greek pantheon, and it's set like the mortal realm is in ancient times. The Olympians are then in modern day time, so they have access to like smartphones and computers and fancy cars. Um, yeah, I'm into. Uh, I've been getting into those webtoons as well. And webtoons, if uh, anyone listening isn't aware, it's an app you can download that has all these like available online comics and strips uh for free uh to a certain point and uh i think i'm trying to think the most famous one would probably be that uh that sweet home because they adapted that to a netflix show i've not heard of this one okay. i'm very bad at following uh, okay trends. well there goes my theory on that but uh yeah they i and i think they've got like uh they produce a few anime off of some of the uh mm-hmm. the uh, webtoons i can't think of which ones though yeah, I know they're they're starting to get into kind of making that transition to TV or like video, but I I've not been super on top of which ones they're doing yeah. that with. I do know Lore Olympus is really popular and there's another one called True Beauty which is about a girl who is really into like makeup and it it sounds kind of like oh it's it's just popular kids but no it's it's really cool and it's about how she uses makeup to feel more confident and then it's it's about her personal relationships with her friends and like co-workers and all this stuff and it covers from high school to college and it's a really good read and most of these uh comics are usually like long running too right like oh yeah yeah there's there's plenty to check out there any other books um, in terms of actual novels, my favorite fantasy author put out a new book in her, her series. Uh, Winter Keep is the title. Have you guys heard of that one? I have not. I haven't either. Okay. Winter Keep is the fourth book in the Graceling Realm series. And it's it's another one of those really good ones where there's really good world building. There's kind of magic, but not really. Uh, if you are born with a grace you have like a skill that far surpasses what normal people could typically do so there are graces for normal kind of skills like you may be really good at swimming or you could be amazing at baking and then there's other things like you can read people's minds so it's it's really kind of all over the place and you can never tell what you're gonna get 
but with every book, she just kind of expands the world and goes into like a different territory and introduces like new skills and different wild abilities. Kind of like a serious drama, like fantasy world, right? It's, yeah, it's kind of serious. Um, the characters are all like very relatable though. And so there's a good bit of comedy from just like seeing how people interact with each other. Because uh, when you were mentioning like the uh, the talents people are born with, I'm like, man, that would really sink if like someone's only talent they had was like being able to make a really good sock puppets based off the uh, cast of The Office. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have The Office in that, yeah, that world. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can I can read people's minds. Well, here's my Michael Scott, and he's lovely. What about you guys? What books have you been reading? I, man, you know, for working here at the library, I've been light on the reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I did start the Discworld series. I only got one book into it, The Color Magic by Sir Terry Pratchett. Ooh, that's a big undertaking as uh, well yeah. of a series. Yeah, I wish you luck on that. I, yeah, like I, yeah, it's very expansive and, um, we, I think we do have most of this series here at the library mm-hmm. and, um, I, I got through the first one. It was enjoyable, but like I was after the first book, I was like, you know, looking out into the beyond. And I'm like, I can't cross this precipice right now. Like it's just too vast. Um, so I took a break and focused on more like focused things. The other book I really enjoyed this year was the last book on the left, which is by the, the guys from the last podcast on the left. And um, even though they talk about all sorts of weird stuff, including um, true crime, paranormal stuff, uh, aliens, cryptids, uh, they focus solely on uh, profiling different serial killers throughout history. And they tackle everything with like an irreverent uh, humor. So uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I will definitely have to check that out. Yeah, it's really good. Big true crime fan. Oh, you, Audra. All right. Um, And looking these up, a lot of them were actually published late last year in 2020. Um, But I got to them this year, so I'm going to go ahead and plug them like you guys. Shamefully, I have not done as much reading as I most likely should. Um, I've been in school all year, so that's played a big part. But I did want to hit on a few that I had gotten to. Um, The first one was... The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, and that's kind of a popular bestseller fiction in all honesty, but the author has written some great time travel books and some nonfiction as well, so I really enjoyed most of his work, so I gave that one a shot. And it's kind of a fantasy look at if you could do your life differently, not really going back in time in this one, but... If you had the opportunity to experience all these different things, what kind of life would you have chosen for yourself? So I really liked it. That was adult fiction. For middle grade, I had one working in the Reed Center. I get a lot of early chapter books or um, middle grade books to recommend to our patrons within the library. So Jason Reynolds, who is a Newbery winner, he... Mm -hmm. um, was nominated for the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature recently. I believe that was this year. Um, has a new book that is Stunt Boy in the Meantime. 
And it was phenomenal. All of his books usually are really realistic while being hopeful. And they are great for the age groups that they are aimed at, as well as for adults to kind of read them and be a little bit nostalgic. Jason Reynolds does a lot of promotion for his literature, but literature in general. And he's done some great interviews lately. If you haven't heard him speak, you should check him out. Lastly was probably my favorite book of the year. It was a young adult, um, Legend Born by Tracy Dion. Either of you heard of it? I've heard of it. I have not read it. Okay. I haven't heard of it. I'm really big into Greek mythology and those kind of retellings. So this one is, um, mispronounce this, it's Arthurian. So it's like the world of King Arthur. Yeah, I think you got that right. Yeah, along the same lines, but a different different take, obviously. So it does include the magic and kind of the Merlin-like character. It's more, as we were talking earlier, kind of root magic where there are, you know, healers, specific groups rather than just everyone can do everything. But... It had a few twists and turns to it that I won't go into too much detail. And I think I read it in about two sittings. It was very entertaining and it kept me engaged the whole way. Yeah, and it's a thick one. Um, And there is going to be more to that series as well, which is I like in my books. I like them to come in multiples. So I'm really looking forward to that. I believe the second one will be out soon. I'm also looking forward to the new Outlander book came out this Mm -hmm. year. If you've been watching the show and you have not read the 600-page novels, I suggest you start because they are even better. So I can't even tell you what book it is, um, but it's Go Tell the Bees. I am here. I am gone. Big difference, I know. But Go Tell the Bees. Uh, and those are Diana Galbadon. And again, they are they are very hefty, but they are definitely worth it to get those things that are not within the show. Speaking of her, uh, real quickly, I, I've i read uh, part of a book by her son, Sam Sykes, who does a lot of like um, medieval fantasy books. And he's mm-hmm. very much all about like that irreverent uh, humorous tone too. And mm-hmm. so if you're looking, if you're looking for like, uh, if you like your characters to be constantly witty, um, he's a really good author to go to for that. I like, um, Galvedon because I've read all of the Game of Thrones books as well. They're about the same size, but she spends so much time researching historically and actually going to these places um, that it does kind of have that historical fiction background, as well as some humor, as well as some action and some romance. It's everything kind of rolled into one, as it would be if you had 700 pages to fill. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I always thought, like, th- just the initial concept of the first book, which I haven't read, but I, I kind of know based off the show was just always very novel to me because most time travel like books always start with someone in modern times going to a different time or vice versa. But Mm -hmm. this is a modern writer who has their character uh, from world war two era time traveling to an even earlier era. And I always thought that like, I haven't, I was like, wow, I haven't like seen a lot of mainstream uh, books or shows or movies tackle something like that. Yeah, or even going to the past in general is not as popular as 
going to the future as yeah. well. I've got a big thing for all things um, time travel fiction, and I love that every author portrays the logistics of it differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether you're building a time machine or you're going through a magical stone, they've all got their own explanations. So if you read enough, you can start to compare them. (laughs) So apart from content that we have consumed, what else has been going on this year? Well, my favorite moment of this year has not happened yet. I will have by the time this airs, I believe. But in five days on Saturday, I will be graduating from USI after many, many years. Um, I will not say how many years, but I've spent a lot of this year working towards that. So I'm very future. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And then I will be starting on grad school because, you know, school is never done. Yeah, I, I don't think you have to feel bad about how long it's taken. I have a friend who, when I complained that my two-year program was taking too long, she's like, oh, no, I'm on year four of a two-year program. So I've, it's a very common sentiment. Yeah. Uh, also related to school, I just finished up my semester, which is very exciting, and I am nowhere near graduating. So I applaud you. Yeah, I'll be right there with you. So is it going to be before or after the next election? (laughs) Who's to say? (laughs) We can discuss about the excitement we had from the special visitor we had in Central. Yeah, um, so I have a weirdest work moment of the year, which, you know, it's very hard to rank them within the public library sometimes. But this year we found a two to three foot long snake within the workroom of the library. I can't give you exact measurements. I fled the room. (laughs) So I'm not particularly a snake person. Was the snake poisonous? I don't believe so. It was a it was a corn snake. Okay, okay. So, so we're all safe. We're, we're, yeah. The fact that we are downtown, surrounded by concrete, and we are still subject to snake visitors freaked me out a little bit. I, I since searched my own workroom and desk. This was not my my room, so I think I'm safe for now. Yeah, he was yeah. just he he just got turned around looking for you know the the golden corral. He was just looking for food. <laughs> Maybe he was looking for books. Did you ever think about that? Yeah, I I should have offered him. He was captured and released back in the wild. Yes, which is what is important. But it was quite shocking to find in your local library. Have you had any weird moments at McCullough? Yeah, this is fun because I only heard about the snake after the fact, whereas you two actually experienced it. Out at McCullough, we, we do occasionally have some animals. We actually had stray kittens living behind our building, and Mm. one of our employees did adopt one. We had another occasion where a mama duck made a nest right by our front door, and that provided a a solid month's worth of entertainment for everyone working in the library. Oh, yeah. We would routinely go out and check on her. Uh, She was always there, always sitting on her eggs. And then one day we came into work, and there were some eggshells and no ducks at all. So they wandered off and are hopefully living very happy little duck lives. Oh, it would be nice if we guys got to see the ducklings. Quite quite a few animals for a library system. I believe North Park used to have a cat that would frequently come inside to visit and mm. lived in the neighborhood as well. And this year we also had a dinosaur 
visit us yeah. for programming. Bo the dinosaur was here for several story times. So I was it looking for food too? We had book recommendations, oh, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He got his very own library card, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight of the year. He came by to visit at McCullough. We also just recently had a teddy bear sleepover. Have you guys seen anything about that? Yes, I I am familiar with these. They're absolutely adorable. Yeah. Um, Our amazing children's librarian, Stephanie, over at McCullough, hosted a teddy bear sleepover where all the kids got to bring in their teddy bears and they got to spend the night at the library. And there are photos on our Facebook page of all the trouble that they got into. (laughs) Yeah, definitely worth checking out. We've had some really great programs this year and we've had the chance to experiment with how we are doing programming. Um, Kind of folks forced into it due to COVID, but I think we've been able to work it out that we have a lot of new digital programming that's going to continue. And we've also adapted a lot of our things outside, our dance parties, some of our movies as well. So I think that's something that you'll see going forward. We'll be able to better utilize our space and keep shaking it up. But I think my favorite program of the year as it normally is, is Bubble Fest, because who doesn't want to trap a toddler inside a giant bubble? So that's a yearly program we do at all locations. If you have not experienced it, come out next summer. I help out with Bubble Fest on occasion, and my favorite thing is that every time I have helped out, there's always one kid who's like, I don't want to be in the bubble, I want to make the giant bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we always like absorb a toddler into the workforce for like an hour, and then they get bored and wander off. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite program was the, the milk kits we did, where we had uh, several videos, um, it was like a weekly series, I believe, mm-hmm. where um, they were like cooking videos, and then... And families could come by and actually pick up meal kits to take home so they could follow along and prepare prepare the meal of the week. Um, I think we're still doing a few things like that going forward here in the Reed Center. We pass out Simple Science where it has a video as well. That's a take home science experiment. I think McCullough has done some like that as well for teens. Yes, we currently have anime foodies going on with Caitlin. Um, oh, yeah. I've, I love that. Yeah. And you can actually sign up, receive the whole bag of ingredients, and then go home and uh, cook along with the video instructions. Yeah. So it's a great way to get even more interactive in our programming. And you can do it on your own time now, anytime you'd like. So I think we'll keep that going going forward. Yeah, I think we should. And if you have any programs you'd like to see us continue with or ideas for programs, please email us at podcast.evpl.org. Please, because we don't get any emails. What movies did you guys enjoy this year? There are a couple things that I've seen. I don't typically watch movies. I'm one of those people that tells myself, you know, I don't have time for a movie, so I'll just watch five episodes of this TV show instead. Frequently fall into that trap. But um, I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan um, since Deadpool. I believe a lot of us are. So he put out Free Guy. I saw that one too. um, As well as Red Notice, which was a smaller Netflix with The Rock. Both of them were pretty good. But Free Guy was absolutely phenomenal of 
a video game character becomes sentient who starts to break the game. Mm-hmm. Kind of a Wreck-It Ralph for adults situation there. There was also Tick, Tick, Boom, which just recently came out, um, that is about Jonathan Larson and the making of Rent. So a musical oh. about a musical, which um, I really, really loved. I've been a big Rent fan for a while. And that's directed by uh, the... Uh, the- Hamilton creator. Yes. Yeah. Lynn Manuel. Yeah. Lynn Manuel, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. He also had In the Heights um, that was oh. adapted this year. That was very good as well. Yeah. He has aged out of playing his original character. He was originally the main character on Broadway. So he became the um, popsicle man. And it was a <laughs> bit of comic relief in, in a. Heartwarming story. Uh, I I love that movie. I've actually watched In the Heights probably like three times this year. Yeah, really good. And the last one is they just put out a new Psych movie for Thanksgiving. We are on Psych 3. Um, Julie Hill and James Rodea Rodriguez have been my favorite duo since I believe I was in high school. So, I mean, we're looking at 10, 12 years now Mm -hmm. (laughs) since the original Psych TV shows. But there is more out there for you psychos um that was done by peacock that's what they call themselves i know i know no i'm i'm aware of the lingo yeah Yeah. i recommend um the episode tuesday the 17th if you want to watch an episode of the psych just to see if it's for you that's the one i suggest because uh uh, and especially if you're a horror fan because it's just oozing with love for the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually just started rewatching all of Psych because my husband has only seen bits and pieces, and so we're like right at the beginning of the first season, and I'm just <laughs> sitting over here with childlike glee, waiting for him to get all the references. Yeah, Psych um, and Monk and House were still being produced at the same time. Those three TV shows kind of gave me my love of binge watching TV and mm-hmm. took up a lot of my high school time so yeah those like those were shows like i was starting to become like a bit of a uh a snob uh, very snobby about like ah well you know i have to have long arcs with payoffs and not <laughs> yeah. really uh, not really i was getting away from like the tv shows that had like just isolated plots but those shows like psych and monk especially i kept mm-hmm. watching because they mm-hmm. were just so entertaining yep they were, yeah, my first exposure to that kind of storytelling rather than just your ABC family, Nickelodeon, or cartoons. Yeah. What about movies for you guys? Well, I really enjoyed um, Malignant, which came out in September. We mm-hmm. have it on DVD, I think. I believe so. Yeah, so I won't say anything more about it. Just... um if you're a fan of like the 90s horror movies from like Dark Castle, uh, examples include um, The 13th Ghost and uh, The Haunting of Hill House, then I recommend this wholeheartedly. My other film from this year I really enjoyed and watched multiple times was The Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, and, and you know, as as a having to look up for patrons, I love the fact that they call the sequel to Suicide Squad the Suicide Squad because that 
made it so easy to find the right movie in the <laughs> yeah. system every time someone requested it. But I, I, I really love that movie. Um, and then um, a movie I watched for the first time this year, not from this year, was Deep Blue Sea. And um, my heart was just jumping with joy. It's such a bad movie. And it's so enjoyable because of it. Are you guys familiar with Deep Blue Sea? I'm not. No. All right. So basically a movie from the 90s that stars a lot of like now highly esteemed actors in a movie where they're having to escape a underwater facility while being hounded by extremely intelligent sharks. Ooh. Okay. It's Famous for the scene where Samuel L. Jackson gets eaten like halfway through like his big raw raw speech. Okay, that I am familiar. Yeah, with. yeah, that 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 pop that has like survived in pop culture longer than the actual movie itself. Um, but uh, L. Cool J is also in it, and he wrote a rap called Deep Blue Sea that plays in the Ooh. end credits, and it's just it's just like the most phenomenal package of sights and sounds from the '90s that I yeah. think a lot of people missed out on. So I think you should look it up. Yeah, I will definitely check it out. All right, so let's um, we can wrap things up with a little guessing game. So I found. Um, from the New York Public Library System, the top 10 checkouts of all time. So... Of all time. Of all time. All time. All time since they started recording checkouts. I have looked at this list before. I have no memory. <laughs> I so, know I read it. List. So just give me like a few books off the top of your head that you think would be on this list. I'm thinking that there has to be some classic kind of... Things we now shelve in the children's area. So maybe um, Alice in Wonderland or Peter Pan. No. Oh. Oh. Nowhere near. Not even honorable mentions. Oh, oh wow. That hurts. Um, Peter Pan is my, my favorite book. I mean, I, I feel like I'm going with an obvious one, but Harry Potter? Number nine. Okay. Uh, wow. 231,022 checkouts. Oh, wow. Where the wild things are. Nice. Number four. Ah, oh, yeah. wow. Four. 136,016 checkouts. You got two. We're, we're on roll okay, here. We have, we have two. Um, I'm going to say it right now. I'm I'm pretty sure you won't guess number one. It's the Bible. Nope. Okay. Is the Bible on here? No. Okay. Lord of the Rings. No. <laughs> I like Think of some really other famous now. kids' books. Are, are a lot of them children? I was going to say, There's please a, don't yeah. tell me that there's Patterson on this list. <laughs> um, There's one that really threw me off. Winnie the Pooh? Nope. I feel like we need some way to narrow this down a little bit. Okay. Um, you said think of children's books. Are we thinking picture books or chapter books? Picture books. Picture books. Picture books. Good Night Moon. Good Night Moon is a, an honorable mention. Okay. So I'm going to count it. You get credit for that. Yes. It uh, doesn't say how many checkouts, though. Oh, I can never keep the title straight. Alexander and the horrible, very good, no bad, yeah. <laughs> and the terrible, terrible. horrible, oh. no good, no very I'll, bad I'll, day. I'll cut you off right now. Yeah. I'll tell you no and save you the, uh, the trouble. Right. Okay. Think uh, – okay, so still think of some classic children's picture books. Also think of like the books that you had to read in high school English. 
To kill a mockingbird. Mm. You got that is numbers five. Four hundred twenty-two thousand nine hundred twelve. Of mice and men. Nope. No. Uh, farewell to arms. No. Um, what about corduroy? Nope. Yeah, the top ten New York Public Library uh, list is not validating a lot of my personal favorites either. Is there any Vonnegut on this list? Slaughterhouse? Surprisingly, or? no. No? Should I start listing them? The ones that we didn't get? Okay. Yeah, go from go from 10. Up, yeah, so. okay. So, number 10, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, man. I can't believe neither of us thought of 189,550. that. 189,550. I was thinking older. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just that thing, like, when you're on the spot, it's hard to think of things. But if you're, like, in the line at McDonald's trying to figure out which chicken sandwich you want, you'll just suddenly think, oh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Number nine, you got Harry Potter and the mm-hmm. Sorcerer's Stone. Number eight. Now, this one, I I forgot this was a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, yeah. By mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie, 284,524. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Fahrenheit, 451. Oh, that's that's a good one. Mm-hmm. 316,404 checkouts. Um, number six, Charlotte's Web. Oh. 337,948 checkouts. You already guessed number five, To Kill a Mockingbird. And number four, Where the Wild Things Are. Number three, 1984. Mm, makes sense. 441,770 checkouts. Number two. <laughs> uh, you're going to hate yourself for this. The Cat in the Hat. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. 469,650 checkouts. Okay. What can be more popular than all of those? No, no shame am- in this one because I... Was not familiar with this one at all. The Snowy Day by Ezra Jack Keats. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's a classic. 485,583. Caldecott, I believe. I believe, yes. Yep. Yeah. And perfect for the season. Check it out at EVPL. There you go. We have many copies. (laughs) All comes full circle. Do you all make New Year's resolutions? Do you have big plans for next year? Uh, I do not do resolutions. I don't either. I yeah, I mean, it's the easiest way not to disappoint yourself. <laughs> but I, I mean, I I have goals, I guess that I won't mention here. But um, now it sounds like I have nefarious me ideas. I'm getting back. I'm gonna try to get back into writing. That way, you know, people don't think like, oh gosh, what things are is Aaron doing in the the shadows? Um, yeah, I'm gonna try to get back into writing. Audrey, you should make a goal right now. I I have goals. I'm going to refinish my baseboards and paint my shutters. They're yeah, they're exciting goals that have fallen to the back burner during school. Um, so I'm not starting grad school until the fall. I have a semester mm. off, and that will be spent smart. Yeah, totally um, refinishing my hundred year old house. So. Ah. I think my goal is going to be uh, getting back into climbing at the climbing gym here in town because mm-hmm. we, have, we have a very good place where you can learn bouldering and basic techniques and climb walls. Vertical escape? Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, out on the east side. And they even have several self-belays now, so you don't even have to go with a partner anymore. Yes, that was part of the appeal was because if I do not have a friend who's available, I can still go mm-hmm. and do something fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. So thanks again for joining us for the final uh, Check Out with EVPL podcast of the 
2021, whatever year it is. And、uh, we'll see everyone in 2022. If you have any thoughts on the end of the year or any goals for the next one, you can send them to us through email at podcast at evpl.org. 